Go to John, please, the 10th chapter, John 10. If you weren't here last night, we're, we're building on what we got through last night, so I would encourage you, easiest, quickest way, go online, and you can watch or listen to the message. It won't cost you anything, no charge. But we are looking at the 10th chapter of John, John 10. And we'll begin in verse 1, read some of these verses again. John 1, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that enters not by the door, and door didn't just mean the, the blockage, but the entrance, the access into the, or you could say the way, into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now you'll find Jesus makes numerous references to this phrase in this chapter about the thief and the robber and the thief. We're familiar with John 10.10, just nine verses later, where Jesus said what? The thief. And this does not say a thief. It's the article here in the original language, the. The thief comes not but to do what? Well, what's, what does a thief do? Steal. Uh, let me just stop here. We need to quit laughing at ungodly stuff. There's nothing funny about stealing. See, there's a lot of uh, cracks and jokes people make about, you know, it's not funny. Stealing is of the devil. It's devilish. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that's permeated throughout our society that, uh, you know, this is wicked and that's wicked and, and wicked means good. and No, it doesn't. Wicked's bad. Don't let the enemy get his words in your mouth by you being insecure and trying to be cool in front of somebody that don't even care. Be secure. Know who you are. Talk like what you know. Is that right? And don't let any and everybody influence you and sway you and pick up their jargon and their talk. Fill your mouth with holy words, words of life, words of faith, righteous words, true words, good words. And if people want to mock and make fun of you, well, this is because they don't know. And uh, you stay the course. So much goodness will be manifest in your life that at some point they're going to come back around and say, uh, hey, would you pray for me? I've seen it happen over and over again. <laughs> Go back to verse 2. He said, he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And he's referring to himself. Keep going. To him, the gatekeeper or porter opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This could also be translated, he goes before them. Keep going. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes, well, it says it, he goes before them. 
And it's nice when the scripture confirms things. <laughs> and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. His voice to us is very, very familiar. And the things that are odd and strange and goofy and spooky to you, don't listen to them twice. Stay away from them. Don't entertain them. When he speaks to you, even if it's something that's brand new to your head, it'll be very familiar to your heart. Who he is. He's with you 24-7. For they, his sheep follow him for they know his voice. Keep going. A stranger will they not follow but will flee from him. Why? Because they don't know or you could say they don't recognize that voice of a stranger because what? It's a strange person. Strange, unknown. What does that mean? Don't follow that. Some years ago a lot of our friends were investing into this thing that was going to be this amazing thing and people were going to make all this money and they're going to underwrite ministry projects and it was just going to be wonderful, wonderful. And Phyllis and I didn't have much money that we could have come up with to, to invest, but we, we thought, boy, that sounds wonderful. So we were going to put together what little we had and invest too. And a lot of people, ministers were investing into it. And uh, so uh, the day we're supposed to meet the person and give them our money, before we were in a hotel room and before we went down, I knelt down again and prayed and I said, Lord, seemed like you hadn't said much to me about this. <laughs> and, uh, and just, I don't mean I heard a voice, but just like that, he said, uh, that's right. I haven't. And he spoke to my heart. He, he brought up the passage in the book of Acts when um, Cornelius was told to send for Peter. And then when Cornelius' representatives got there, the Spirit of God spoke to Peter and said, go with them. Nothing doubting. He brought that to me and he said, uh, you have no reason to trust these people. I've said nothing to you about them. Now see, people sometimes get that twisted around. They say, well, the Lord didn't tell me I couldn't do it. That ain't good enough. <laughs> you don't need a reason not to do something. Just like we saw, you know, in that little video that they were talking about, all these other people calling. The sheep never even lifted their head, man. They, well, we don't listen to anything except that one, him. And the Lord said, he brought that up to me. He said, the reason Peter could go, because man, Peter broke a bunch of rules. <laughs> he went to Gentiles. He ate with them. I mean, he broke some rules. As soon as he got back to town, they were waiting on him. They called him on the carpet. Is that right? Yeah. They grilled him. And, and why did he do that? He said, well, <laughs> I was on the housetop, got hungry, and, and had a spiritual experience. And the Lord said to me, Go with them. Nothing doubting. So then he had a reason to do it. He's not just trusting them. He's not just trusting strangers at the door. And so the Lord told, he told me, he said, I've said nothing to you about them. 
or about this. So you have no reason to trust them. Well, that's all I needed to know. This thing's over. We ain't doing this. Is that right? But out of courtesy, I thought we'd, you know, we'd have the meeting. The person's waiting on us. So we went down. We talked to them. I thought, well, you know, uh, I just think I'll ask a few questions. I said, well, so uh, such and such. I said, you know, we'd like to see what we're investing into if we did. Oh, no, you can't do that. And then we'll, well, we'll, you have to give the money. Now, no, well, we'll, when it happens, we'll show up with the money and we'll do it on the scene. No, that, that won't work. And I asked too many questions. They finally said, well, you know, I don't know if this is going to work with you. We, we may be not have any more slots for, you know, mm-hmm. and sure enough, it was a scam. It was a bad one. And churches and people lost big money. And the mercy of God spared us from that. Because we were ready too. We were ready too. But uh, what am I talking about? Well, re- read this again. They, they what? They won't follow a stranger. Why? They'll actually free, flee from him. What does that mean? Some stranger that God hadn't said anything to you about trying to sell you something, you run away from that. You go, yeah. whoo, i got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Why? You're not analyzing if it sounds legit or not. Things can be so convoluted and, and even, you know, things can have a, a truth to them and a kernel of truth. And, and it can be such a, a, a mix of stuff. Anybody can be fooled. I've seen this. They don't come too smart to be fooled. I've seen brilliant people fooled. Why? Well, the devil gets involved in these things. Spirits get involved in these things. And there is spiritual, beyond natural, deception. And so you you must not try to think, well, I'm, I'm smart enough, I won't get taken in. No, you better remember whose sheep you are. Is that right? And you make up your mind. No, unless the Lord says something to me about this, I don't need a reason not to do something. I need to hear from him in order to do it. And that's not just investment. That's everything. That's everything. Everything. Where you go, where you live, where you work, who you marry. Come on, y'all listening. Everything. Everything. There's a million and one things that you don't need to find out about. That's none of your business. That's got nothing to do with you. And you'll be so much happier when you figure that out and learn that. And like the little sheep we saw in the video, they didn't pay any attention to the others. And it wouldn't, how many could see, it wouldn't have made if there were a hundred different ones that tried it, you know. So, um, Uh, This principle needs to be ingrained in us. We don't have to go through this endless process of elimination, rationalizations, trying to figure everything out. We must hear from him. Everything else we can ignore. And that will lead to a life of peace and rest for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Continue reading. Where did we get to? What verse were we? Verse 6. 
He said that he spoke this parable to them, but they, they didn't understand it. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Yes, sir. Back up to verse 6. Was it possible to be looking at Jesus and seeing his face and hearing what he said to you and him pausing and taking it and saying it like this? Verily, verily, of a verity, this is absolute, unchanging, eternal truth. And you hear all this and you didn't get it. They what? They didn't understand what he just said. And it's not because spiritual things are so hard to understand. What we just saw portrayed on that little video, that's not complicated. You listen, you don't listen. You respond, you don't respond. Familiar? Not familiar. But the reason why it's like this is the enemy is always trying to distract you, to interrupt, to confuse you. The things of God are not hard to get. But we live in a dark spirit, you know, bad spirit filled, confusion filled place. And what's the solution? Well, you got to make up your mind that when the Lord tells you something, I'm getting this. And so you got to hear it again. And if you don't get it, you hear it again. Is that right? And if you don't get it, it's not it's not because the Lord's trying to hide it from you. He's already told you. He's revealed it to you. And um, there's been, I know the, a lot of you have done the same thing, but there's been times the Lord would deal with me, read this, and I'd read it, and he'd say, read it again, and he'd read it again, and sometimes, 10 times, 25 times, and finally you go, oh, well, it was because I was so dumb and slow, I, I don't like to think so. Um, <laughs> do you like to think so? No, I know it's because there's so much pushback against this. You remember what happens when the sower sows the word? You remember that? And the word fell on what was called wayside ground. Immediately we could say the thief comes. Is that right? To steal the word What before they get it. Before they understand it. Before they lay hold of it and receive it and start acting on it and putting it into practice. He immediately comes to steal it. He's a thief. Keep reading. Verse 7. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Why didn't they hear them? Because they didn't know them. Not familiar. Not familiar, so there's no reason for me to even pay attention. Did you notice? They didn't even look up. Is that right? Why? No reason. Why? Who are they? Don't know. Don't care. Is that right? We need to get this way. Too many people are chasing and trying to fight back and defend Christianity. That's like an ant trying to defend a tank. Oh, somebody didn't like that. God was around and doing fine. Long time before you got here. Is that right? 
<laughs> He'll be around and doing fine after you're off the scene. <laughs> it's a trick of the devil. You know, the scripture says, uh, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Actually, that word, lest Satan should get an advantage, can be translated, lest we be robbed. Same idea. Lest we be robbed or stolen from. We're not ignorant of what? He's always trying to steal from you. Always. I mean, yeah, it kind of gets old. But it's just life. Every day when you get up, you need to know. He's going to try to steal something from you. You need to know it. Yeah, it ain't fun. But that's why you got to fight the good fight of faith. Is that right? You got to put on the whole armor of God. You got to resist. You got to be on your guard. Not full of fear, but just aware. And knowing, okay, that sorry cuss is going to try to, you're going to try to do something to me today. But uh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So keep reading. He goes on to say this verse that we're so familiar with. He said, I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he'll be saved. Go in and out and find pasture. In verse 10, the thief doesn't come unless he is coming to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, we talked about this last night. The devil has exercised and practiced deceiving human beings for millennia, millennia upon millennia. And he is far more proficient at it than we are even aware of. And uh, how many understand when he came to the garden and spoke through the serpent, he didn't start out by saying, Now just give me a few minutes. I want to steal something from you. (laughs) No. He never does that. The scripture said he's subtle. Subtle. What does that mean? He's deceptive. And he never comes by in the front door. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He that comes, you know, climbs up some other way. And he's always trying to come in the back door. Come through the window. He's always trying to, as they say, slip up on your blind side. He's always, and he's really, really good at it. Don't underestimate how good he is at this. And um, he, every time he comes, he will not start out with... I want to steal from you. (laughs) Never. 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 He he doesn't want to scare you off. People who are the best con men or confidence men, women in the world, they learned it from him. They learned it from him. And what do they do? Oh, they, they, a lot of times they, they're in for the long mark. You know, they, they, they want to make you their, their friend and, They'll even give you something, and, but not really, because it's got a hook in it. And um, it's always the plan is to take from you. And so what you see in this chapter is this big division between what's God and what's enemy. 
And God is giver. And the enemy is taker. Notice right after this verse here. He said uh, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. To take something from you. But I'm come. What? Could you say to give you something? I'm come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. I like the Amplified on this. Don't you? Anybody like the Amplified? Put up the Amplified if we got that. The Amplified is really good. And the reason it reads this way is because this word abundance actually means more than than enough. He said the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. He never just comes to chat. (laughs) Never just passing through. He's going to say hi. I know we're not friends, you know, but he's already playing you. He's already got something. Yeah. We, we need to, and I believe it's happening. We're not ignorant of his devices. The Spirit of God is equipping us Amen. and preparing us. And we are going to be quicker to recognize these things than we've ever been. I'm talking about the sly workings of the enemy. He's going to say three words and we're going to go, thief, thief, thief. <laughs> Thief. <laughs> huh? We're, we're going to see one move of his. Oh, thief, thief, trying to steal something. I see you. I see you, thief. <laughs> you know, it's like a thief is different from a robber. Uh, both of them is trying to take something from you. But the thief, you know, he's sneaky about it. He's going to sneak in when nobody's looking. Uh, but it's a problem. You know, when he's just about to work on the window and the lights come on. Boom, lights come on. <laughs> Siren goes off. We are, we are. He goes, oh, oh, oh. I mean, he's going to run out and hit the bushes. Because the thief has been exposed. The thief has been revealed. God's not the thief. Jesus said, let's read, let's read here from Amplified. I came. That they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance. To the full. Till it overflows. This is God. This is Jesus. He came to give you something. You know what what he wants to do right now? He wants to give you something else. He wants to give you more. More of the same. He wants to give you more. And bigger. And greater. And more. He wants to see you faithful in something. So he can give you more. Hallelujah. He wants to bless you and use you so he can give you more. Give you more. And all of this whole life is just training for the big more. The big stuff comes later. Ruling over cities. Cities that will exist forever. Some people five and ten cities that would be bigger than New York City. And this is not for a few hundred years. This goes on and on and on. He wants to give you more. But there are things we've got to learn. And we have this opportunity in this life. He left us some lying, stealing devils to practice on. (laughs) To learn how to do this so that we get proofed against this kind of thing. And we have opportunity to show our commitment to him and our faithfulness to him. And the reason we're talking about some of these things is you want to get 
established in you that you hate what God hates. And he hates lying and stealing. He hates it. I didn't say he hates liars. He loves people. That doesn't mean you've got to love what they're doing. Same with us. People say, well, if you love me, you have to accept me the way I am. Says you. I do not have to accept all your goofy stuff. I can love you and despise what you do. Come on, are y'all with me? No. People say, well, you have to love me the way I am. Has it ever occurred to you, you could change? God's in the change business. Do you need to change? Oh, that's too weak. Let me help you out. Yes. Everybody around you knows. Do, do, do I need to change? Yes. Yes. If, if I don't need to change anymore, it means I have already arrived at Christ-like perfection. I'm not going to stand up in church and lie like that. Help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Look at him and say, you need to change. You need, you need to change. Help him. I say, you need some serious change. You need some serious change. <laughs> now, now you, need, you need to respond and say, I know it. I, I know it. I know it. And, and I'm on my way. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm receptive. I'm teachable. Right? I'm teachable. I'm correctable. Instructable. Changeable. As we behold. Like in a mirror. The glory of God. We are changed into his same image from glory to glory. We're changed. Somebody say I'm being changed. I'm being changed from glory to glory by the spirit of the living God. I'm being changed. The next verse, the, the master says it again. This is so powerful. I am the good shepherd. Does he want us to get this? When the Lord keeps repeating things, it's not because he's forgetful. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? Gives. Gives. Somebody say gives. Gives Gives his life for the sheep. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, he said in verse uh, verse 22, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust or desires, and those things are intertwined with being a taker. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, which is God. He's righteous. He's holy. He's love. He's a giver. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. I want you to hold your place back up to the first chapter of Ephesians and look at the first verse. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now go back to verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, would you have to write to saints and tell them to quit lying? He did. The Holy Spirit did. The language here, if you look up the words, it implies you're lying, so stop. Well, why talk to somebody about it if it's not a non-issue? Put away lying. So would you understand there have been some folks lying in the church at Ephesus? Lies told out in the parking lot at Ephesus Faith Church. Lies told in the foyer. Y'all don't like this. Under, under the portico. <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's bad. I, I, I don't like that. Dave was brought up to me. Before we built this, what, months ago during that meeting, the Lord gave us a prophecy that people would be healed under the portico. And what Phyllis just read, that man was healed while it was being built. His knee was healed. Glory to, God. Glory to God. Well, it's the Lord's porch. Yes, right. When the Lord's got a porch, there'll be some healing in that porch. That's, that's how it works. Deliverance, health, joy, bless, salvations. Glory to God. He, uh, <laughs> let's not have any lies in our portico, okay? Just, just, let's, just, let's just don't. You know, maybe it could be visitors that don't know, hadn't got saved yet. Okay, we'll give them a break. But No faith life people lying under the portico. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we're members one of another because you're really lying to yourself. What he's saying. And that goes hand in hand. People that will lie to themselves will lie to you. And a lot of times before they're going to get straight being honest with other people, they've got to get honest with themselves. He said, uh, be angry and, and don't sin. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't fume and don't hold on to it for days and months and years. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. And let him that stole steal no more. Would you have to write to the saints at Ephesus? And tell them, quit lying and don't be stealing anymore. And um, get you a job. Verse 28 is what it says. Labor means work. Quit stealing. Get a job. And not just so that you don't have to steal. You never have to steal. Mrs. says, well, you, you could be in a bad enough situation. No, no. If you look to God, he would help you. Is that right? You never have to steal. I don't care how bad it is. If you look to him and not resort to trying to meet your own need, he'll do something. He'll take care of you. Nobody ever had to lie. 
People use that language. Sometimes they'll say, well, you know, you keep asking me about that. Don't make me lie to you. You act like it's an option. Nobody ever had to lie. If you had to lie, you shouldn't have to repent for it. Because you had no choice. And nobody ever had to steal. Now it's quiet in the church. Because this stuff starts early. With babies. Mm -hmm. Little John. Barely walking. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You come around the corner. Cookie jars on crooked. Crumbs on the counter. Well, John got chocolate on his mouth. <laughs> you been in the cookies? Mmm. <laughs> now you're laughing, and most people would laugh, but it ain't funny. I said it ain't funny. You won't think it's funny when he's 16 and he stole money out of your purse. And that'll be because you, it wasn't dealt with back here. Now that doesn't mean you act a fool and, and start trying to cast the devil out of him. No, no. <laughs> No, no, that's not the problem. He's got flesh. And little ones and young ones are pretty much flesh dominated, controlled, but they need to learn very, very early that telling a lie is absolutely one of the worst things you could ever do in this life. Because what it is, is the nature of the devil. That's what he does to us, tries to do to us every day. Is convince us that a lie is true and deceive us. And so he's writing to these, you know, these folks, they came out of idolatry. They, they came out of worshiping Diana. There was no thou shalt not lie. It was lying is smart. Lying can be a good tool. And that's how many people think today. But go back with me if you would. To the book of uh, Exodus. Thanks be to God. Exodus 20. And I want us to look at the Ten Commandments. And I want us to notice the last five. The last five of the Ten Commandments. What this is Exodus 20. About verse 13. Let's look at that. 20.13. The first five Deal with honoring God, worshiping God, not violating his name or his Sabbath, and, and honoring your parents, which is part of that. If you learn to honor mom and dad when you and your spiritual mom and dad and all that when you're very young, then that transfers to him when you get old enough to understand more. But then these last five deal with our interactions with each other. And verse 13, number 6, thou shalt not kill. What you'll notice is that every one of these involve being a taker. Because that is the nature of the devil. And the law was given to identify sin. And people didn't have the power to live by it and complete it like they should because they weren't born again and their nature hadn't been changed. But this has always been right and will always be right. Why? 
If you kill somebody, and actually the word over in Deuteronomy is murder. Excuse me, Matthew 19, 18 in the New Testament, quoting this, the words murder. This is not talking about a soldier on the battlefield. You shall not murder. If you murder somebody, what did you do? You took their life from them. You took their future from them. Is that right? You took a child's father or mother away from them. Or a spouse. You're a thief. You took their life. We, We use that language. What's the next one? You shall not commit adultery. Adultery has to do with people, adults, that are in covenant of marriage. And it's uh, getting involved with somebody else's wife or husband. Is that taking? You took their spouse. You you took their best friend. Come on, can you see this? And see, in order to be a taker, you have to be completely selfish and not care what it does to other people. Now, a lot of us, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes. I know this. And I'm not talking about being condemned. I'm not talking about looking in the past. And if you've repented and received forgiveness, you are forgiven. And you are clean. But do you want to see this the way God sees it? Yes, sir. And do you want it to be set in you such a way that you have made up your mind, I will not be a thief. I don't want anything to do with the enemy of God and the adversary of my soul. He is the thief, always trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And I am not going to let him infiltrate my life and me become a thief. Come on, somebody said out loud, I will not be a thief. By the grace of God, I will not be a robber. I will not steal. Make up your mind. You can't wait till you get in the middle of something. You got to make up your mind now. Then what, what's the next one? <laughs> That's pretty obvious. <laughs> what? What's stealing? It's taking. Take, whether you do it stealthily or whether you do it openly, it's still taking something. And verse 9 you shall not bear false witness, well, not, not verse 9, but number 9. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Somebody says, well, that's not taken. It most certainly is. You're taking away their opportunity for justice. This is like lying on the witness stand. Right? You're being a partner to them being robbed of justice, robbed of their rights. Come on, can you see this? Say it out loud. I will not be a partner to stealing anything from anybody. And it doesn't matter if they're believers or not believers. And they say, well, you know, they stole it, so what's the big deal if I steal it from them? That means you're just like them. You're a thief. And the, and the next one, the last one, number 10, you shall not what? Covet your 
neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now covet is to desire, to long for. And desires are spiritual, and they are not just static, they're dynamic. By that I mean they they grow strong or they ebb. And that depends on how much they're fed. If you've got a desire, or I've got a desire that's driving you, tormenting you, a bad desire, it's because you have fed it. Don't say you hadn't. You fed it. You've watched stuff, you've listened to stuff, you've been around it, you've talked about it, you've fed it. Desires that are not fed, you starve them, they get weaker. You do that long enough, they'll get so weak, you won't even think about it for days in a row. But if you feed it all the time, it's going to be on your mind all the time. It's going to be driving, driving, driving. So what did he say? Don't covet. And let me read Deuteronomy. These are also written in Deuteronomy 5.21, I think it is. You shall not desire your neighbor's wife. Now, I want you to notice the language here. Every word in the Bible is important. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Now, I want you to notice how many times this is repeated. His field or his manservant or his maidservant his ox, his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. What's the emphasis here? It's his. It's theirs. And that's all you've got to know to know I don't need to think about this one more time. Why? Because it's not mine. It's his or hers. And that should be all you need to know To absolutely cut this off before it ever starts growing and increasing. I can't look at that. I can't think about that. Why? Because it's not mine. It's his. It's his or hers. It it belongs to them. It's my neighbor's. Neighbor doesn't necessarily automatically mean who you live by. It's whoever you are around. Remember the good Samaritan. They didn't live by each other, but it was who came by, who, who they were around at that particular point. And um, you've got to watch about claiming things. You must not claim anything that belongs to somebody else. Ever. Ever. Well, I, I think, you know, I've been praying and, you know... I just kind of picked up in my spirit that maybe God was dealing with them to give that to me. (laughs) Number one, you could have totally missed it. Have you ever missed it? You could have totally missed it. If he is dealing with them, that's all the reason you need to forget about this. You need to back off of this. Come on, are you with me? Somebody said, well, I need to claim it so God can deal with them. I thought you said he's already dealing with them. No, you do not claim something that somebody else possesses. Ever. 
Ever. Ever. That's covetousness. Someone says, well, what if I want one? If it's a good thing and it's okay to have, you can get one. Just not theirs. That's right, amen. A lot of things, they make them new every day. And the new ones are improved. Don't go claiming somebody's car, somebody's house, somebody's jewelry. Don't. That's devilish. And see, what happens is what he wants you to do is it's not even right for you to be wanting their stuff. But he wants you to feed that desire until it becomes an obsession. And the Lord said this to me some years ago. He said, if you want something too much, you will go too far. Did you hear that? It might not happen today or the next day or the next week, but you keep feeding it and that desire gets too strong. If you want it too much, eventually there'll come a time you'll cross a line. You'll go too far. And people that go far enough, they cross the line, they take it. They take it. Either by stealth or openly by force. They'll take it. And it doesn't get any more devilish than that. Taking something away from somebody against their will is as devilish as it gets. Somebody say, I'm not going to be like the devil. I'm not. I am not a thief. I will not steal. Now, uh, go with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Some of this is kind of sobering, but we don't need to play games in church. We need to deal with real life. And uh, one of these was you shall not commit adultery. We church people don't like to talk about adultery because it's right, left, and front and back. It's all over the place. Fornication, which is sex between unmarried people, whether it's young people or whatever, and adultery which is affairs, we call them, between married people. It's just, uh, folks like to sit up in church and act like, you know, we heard about that. You know, it happens. <laughs> you know, over there. Uh, uh, uh. It is, it's everywhere. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of folks in the house tonight, watching online, have made mistakes. And thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Is that right? But for the benefit of not continuing to make the same mistakes over and over again, and for the benefit of younger folks that maybe could avoid these things altogether, let's let the Word of God put a pillar inside us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That'll help immunize us against being duped and deceived like so many are, like so many baby Christians are. Let's grow up. And uh, you'll see, I want to I mention two cases about adultery. And notice how different they are. Well, let me do it the other way around. Go to 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter. 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter. This 11th chapter and then this 12th chapter is the dark spot on our beloved King David's life Mm -hmm. when he 
messed up with uh, one of his soldiers' wives, Bathsheba. And uh, so many things you can talk about with this, but uh, he, you know, didn't go on the campaign. You know, maybe he should have been instead of hanging around home, being bored. Maybe he should have been busy. And he's up there, and he notices this beautiful woman bathing herself on top of the house. And um, he knows better. And he loves God. But he's got flesh. And he's sent for. And uh, I, you know, you you can say whatever you want to about this, but uh, I suspect she knew he saw her. You know, if you live in a place, you kind of know who can see you and who can't. Is that right? And I'm convinced that if she had told him, no, I cannot be with you, I'm married, I don't think there's any way David, being the man that he was, would have raped her. I just can't see that. And so I don't know how much she was involved, but either, either way how it worked out, he's with her, and she comes up pregnant, and you know the story, he sends for her husband from the battlefield, thinking he'll go home, sleep with his wife, and when she starts showing to be pregnant, he'll assume it's his, lying. Is this devilish? I don't care who you are. If you're doing this, this is devilish. And so, it didn't work. And here's the thing about it. David inspired honor in his men. And this man, her husband, had so much honor. He comes back and says, you know, I can't. He said, why didn't you go home? And why didn't you go see your wife? And he said, no. He said, all the officers and Joab and everybody, they're out in the field and they're sleeping on the ground and this thing ain't done and I just can't do that till this is done. Where did he get that? David. And yet David's not acting honorably now. Anyway, he sent word to Joab, put him in the hottest spot of the fighting and then pulled back from him. This is a hard thing, man. And he, they did. And I guess he fought like a lion, <laughs> but they took him out. But you know, that's better than living in shame. Amen. Having courage and honor. Life is short. We're all going to be out of here soon. Is that right? Yeah. So he's out. And He's uh, visiting with Abraham in Abraham's bosom. <laughs> they can work all this stuff out there, so. But in chapter 12, the prophet came to David and he told him the story. He said, there came a traveler to the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come to him, but took the poor man's lamb Somebody say took. Took. 
took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come. He, uh, he portrays the wandering of desire as a wandering traveler, stranger. And verse 7, well, let me just, without reading the whole thing, you know, he had described here, he said that this man had one little lamb that he raised and uh, was a pet to him and a comfort to him. And, and the other rich man had all these sheep and everything. And, and then he reaches over and takes this man's one special lamb and, and sacrifices it for this wandering vagabond. And man, David got mad. He said, that man's, he's worthy to die. And he said, he's going to have to repay, and he's going to have to do this. And you remember the prophet said, uh, you are the man. You are the man. And it hit him that he had done this, that he was a thief. And he took this. And listen to verse 7. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you. Now, this is God pleading his case with somebody he loves. He's saying, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. Remember, he ran for years. I gave you, gave, 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 gave. What's he telling him? I gave you this. I gave you this. I gave you this. I gave you the headship of the kingdom. I gave you deliverance from Saul. I gave you your master's wives into your bosom. David had, I don't know how many. This is back when the king had multiple wives. I don't know how many wives and concubines he had. Dozen? Twenty? Forty? I don't know. But it's not like he didn't have a wife. It's not like he didn't have a woman. And see, this is God pleading his case with him. And he is saying, if that had been too little, I would moreover have given to you such and such things. What does that mean? If If that wasn't enough for you, I would have given you more. I would have given you uh, moreover of such and such. That means a lot. I I would have given you a lot more. If it hadn't been enough for you. Keep reading verse 9. But why did you despise my commandment? What commandment? You shall not bear false witness. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not covet. Come on, you say, all five of these are here. Is that right? You shall not covet. And I don't care how beautiful she is. She's not yours. Oh, church, are you awake? Not yours. Somebody say, not yours. Not not yours. And, And that should be the end of it. Nothing to think about. See, people are stealing. Christians are stealing and calling it something else. Love. 
We just fell in love. Couldn't help it. Fate. The heart wants what the heart wants. Where's that scripture at? A lot of people have made mistakes. I know that. And the blood cleanses. And if you're clean, you're clean. Hallelujah. But we're talking about going forward. I said, we're talking about going forward. What are we going to do? See, people have they've been stealing, but not calling it stealing. Calling it all kind of other things, and that's the subtlety of the devil. That's how he works. He'll give you all kind of justification, all kind of reason, but the bottom line is you're a thief and a liar taken after him. And you, you were supposed to be done with him, the devil I'm talking about. You're supposed to be done with him. When Jesus became your Lord, you are done with him. Is that right? Now he'll come back and try to tempt you, but somebody say, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. He's not your Lord. You are not his sheep. You're the Lord's sheep, and you don't have to listen to a word he says. He now, he's a stranger. This phrase here just stood out to me. Can you hear the heart of God? Does God love David? Oh, he loves him. Does David love God? He does. And there's so many good things to talk about, David. But do you hear God pleading his case? He said, boy, I saved your hide from Saul. He'd have been killed a thousand times through all those years. He said, I gave you the kingdom. I gave you the castle. I gave you the money. You've got wives. You got this, you got that. And if it hadn't been enough, do you hear that phrase? Do you hear that phrase? If it hadn't been enough, I would have given you so much more. But you don't take his. Come on, can you see that? You don't take theirs. You don't take theirs. He said, you've despised my commandments. And every one of those, we talked about all five of those, of the last, of the ten, they involve taking, taking. And that's what he said, you took his wife and made her your wife. And he had to violate, you know, most of the commandments to do that. And we're not knocking him. This has happened so many times all through the church. In so many different ways. Not just in this, but in so many ways. Can you get this in your heart and mind? That when you realize that's theirs. What should come up to your mind? Off limits. That's right. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters about it. Nothing to me. Doesn't mean I can't have one. Maybe they got an amazing wife. and You're a man. You're single. You can have a wife. You're a woman and, and, and you're, you're impressed with their husband and he seems like an amazing person. Yeah, but he's her husband. Yeah, yeah well, she don't treat him right. Uh-huh, I know who you've been talking to. <laughs> I know who you've been hanging out with, you know. She don't, she don't treat her man right. Yeah, yeah. Wonder who could treat him right. Wonder who would. 
if we could find. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. He said, you despise the commandment of the Lord. You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. He said, you did it. And you've taken his wife to be your wife. Verse 10, now the sword's not going to depart from your house because you despised me. God took it personally. And you took, you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Somebody say, I'm not a taker. I'm not a taker. I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. And if it belongs to someone else, and if it belongs to someone else, I refuse to consider it. I refuse to consider it. Now look in Genesis, the 39th chapter. And you see somebody that got it right. Young man by the name of Joseph. You know what Joseph's name means? God will add it to you. Adding. God will add to you. Did God add to Joseph? Man, he had a rocky youth. Didn't he? You're talking about getting out of, out of the pan into the fire. He, he had a rough road, man. And we're, we're not talking about for a few days. Years and years. Sold as a slave. Then thrown in the dungeon. And basically throw the key away. But while he was a slave, you remember the story of Genesis 39.7. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar, who had bought Joseph, cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. The Bible talked about Joseph was a good looking young man. And uh, he's, you know, <laughs> y'all are quiet as can be. <laughs> he's, he's not married yet. And you know, he's got raging hormones like every young person. And Potiphar and, and, and his wife are, you know, upper crust on some of these things. Society and, you know, she, maybe she was a real looker. I don't know. But he could have been flattered yeah. by the attention. Maybe even, you know, attracted to her physically. And she said, lie with me. Verse 8. But he refused. Yeah. He said, uh-uh. Why? And here's what we need to get to why. Why? Because I'm not attracted. He didn't say that. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Because the thought had never crossed his mind. He didn't even say that either. Maybe she's looking amazing right now. She probably had this planned out. I don't know. Made her move on him. Probably thought for sure it's going to be a done deal. But he said, uh, no. He said, he said, look, my master doesn't know what's with me in the house. He's committed everything he's got to my hand. And there's none greater in this house than me. And he hadn't kept anything back from me but you. Because you are his wife. You're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
Do people get hung up on the physical part of these things? And they think that's the biggest thing that God is so upset about. Do you know how much sex God has seen (laughs) on planet Earth for (laughs) millennia after millennia? Do you do you know? Don't even try to imagine all the stuff he has seen as one generation comes and passes off on the other. No, God didn't say to David, "Oh, you had sex." No, you had sex. Mm. You stole. You took. Joseph is not saying it's unimaginable to have sex. No, he's a young man. What's he saying? Can't do it. His body might have been screaming, let's do it, let's do it. But something else was bigger in him. Oh, come on, can you see this? This is the only way. You don't get sucked into the lust of the flesh. The only way. There's got to be something in you that's stronger. Strong. That's the only way. Because everybody has desires. Anybody can be tempted. But he said, no, no. You're his wife. You're his wife. So how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day. And this is how the enemy is. He won't just stop with one time. I mean, she hit on him day after day after day, but he hearkened not to her to lie with her or to be with her. This is a a good ending. Right? The other one was bad. And you know, David lost three children over that, was ran out of his own palace and was a fugitive again. And oh, it, it cost him. But God forgave him and spared him. Hallelujah. But how much better to have this as such a pillar in you and to have some understanding that, mm-mm. You're his. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, this is when people start pouring it on. Well, no, really, you know, emotionally, we've been separated for years. <laughs> and you're supposed to go, oh, well, okay. Thief. Thief. Somebody said again, I refuse to be a thief. I refuse to lie. And to steal and to take for myself what is someone else's. What we see here, being a taker, being a thief, it shows a, a, an absence of love and an absence of faith. When you take from somebody what's theirs, and see, did you hear the story that the prophet told, God gave the prophet, and he told him, he described a picture of somebody that that thing was their world. Is that right? Their joy, their happiness. He's talking about Bathsheba's husband, what she was to him. 
And, uh, and he said, you just took that. You just stole that when you had so much. And a lack of love means you don't care what it does to anybody else. You're going to take. But the other is a lack of faith. What do you mean? What did he say? He said, if it hadn't been enough, do you believe the Spirit of God is still saying that today? If you're saying, well, I I feel like what I have is not enough, or I'm wanting more, or I need more, or whatever, but don't become a thief. Don't become a thief. Trust God that he can and will give you what you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can do it. Isn't that what he said? You know, maybe I could paraphrase a little bit. God is saying, look, I gave you all this. You know I love you. You know I will give you stuff. Can you not see what I have done for you? I gave you all of this. And he said, and if that had not been enough for you. He didn't say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for even wanting more. No. He's a big God. He said, if that hadn't been enough for you. I would have given you more. I would have given you a lot more. But what's the issue? Give God an opportunity. Don't take it into your own hands. And start taking and stealing. Have some faith. I said have some faith. That God can and will take care of me. Hallelujah. And I don't have to lie, and I don't have to steal, and I don't have to covet, and I don't have to take from somebody else. He will give me my own. He will give me my own that satisfies, that fulfills, that's exceeding abundantly above what I asked or thought. If I'll just get a hold of my goofy flesh, is that right? And say, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Give him an opportunity. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.